Welcome to Reroute Season 2. This is Gavin Wilhite. Today, we get to talk to Jason Snyder, Jared Janes, and our very own producer, Nick Thurston. Jason is a homesteader, host of the Doomer Optimism podcast, and a teacher at Appalachian State University with a focus on local food systems. He is passionate about transitioning us to a more resilient and regenerative society. Jared is a prolific podcaster, yogi, and co-founder of the Evolving Ground Community of Practice. He cares deeply about the principles of human development and following its many threads. The two of them are the minds behind the Both and podcast. Nick is an actor, as seen in the dawn of the Planet of the Apes and the TV show Bones, a creative producer of podcasts and theater companies alike, and in this host's humble opinion, the world's best D&D dungeon master. On this episode, we talk about topics like adult development, how to navigate the plethora of available worldviews, and the art of holding both optimism and our shared peril in mind at the same time. This season, we are making a push both to explore and help you explore new communities of thought. To this end, we discuss and offer inroads to communities focused on metamodernism, the liminal web, and doomer optimism. It's great to be back with you all, so sit forward, listen in, and enjoy our conversation. We have quite a full house here today. I'm here with Jared Janes, Jason Snyder, and our very own producer, Nick. Uh, just to get started, I wonder, uh, maybe Jared, you can give us a little bit of uh, your background, and then Jason afterwards, that would be awesome. Sure. Um, yeah, where to begin? Uh, I guess maybe I'll just say where, where I'm at right now. Uh, mm-hmm. I spend most of my time these days um, kind of organizing a spiritual, virtual spiritual community that I co-founded with uh, my friend and teacher um, called Evolving Ground. Uh, and nice. Uh, before that, I was spending a lot of time doing some podcast production, both on uh, a, a podcast that uh, Jason and I co-hosted called Both And, uh, and then I've had a few personal projects, and I actually um, was producing uh, another show called The Jim Rutt Show for a little while, too, so uh, for about a year, but uh, but now full-time in this this kind of spiritual role, so um, slash operator. I've not, a lot of uh, uh, operations and management stuff happening at the same time, so not just getting to meditate all day, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And you, Jason? Or no, I'm sorry, do you want to keep going? <laughs> I don't mean to cut no, you off. No, that, that, that works. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, Jason. Yeah, hi. Nice to be here. Um, I'm currently living in kind of the northwest corner of North Carolina in the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, I'm teaching at App State University, my wife uh, as well. I'm very interested these days in both, I think, reconnecting to a sense of place um, and activities such as homesteading, permaculture, uh, as well as I still have a lingering interest in this kind of larger scene, uh, the liminal web that I'm sure we'll talk about, uh, that I think both end was kind of part of, uh, although we didn't call it that at the time. Uh, and I'm interested in general in sense making and where the world is going and um, having interesting conversations. Uh, my background, I have a, a background in economics and geography, uh, although I kind of switched gears and I kind of rejected some of the, the frameworks that I got from, from that education. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also have an interest in, interest in meditation. Uh, and yeah. Just in general, personal human development, community development, uh, all sorts of things, I guess. I I guess I'm kind of a generalist. (laughs) Fantastic. Well, and then we'll go on to, I'm I'm very happy that we have uh, our producer Nick on for his uh, first episode. So you mind giving us just a tiny bit about your background? 
Hey, um, yeah, my name is producer Nick. Uh, it's my <laughs> born given name. No, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Nick Thurston. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick Thurston. Um, and uh, I, uh, my background is mostly in entertainment. So um, by training and trade professionally, I'm an actor. Um, uh, during the pandemic and for the past few years, I've mostly been doing voice acting, but my background is mostly in film and TV on stage. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I have a, a, a wide range of interests as well. Um, producing this podcast, uh, we, me and Gavin created, uh, and, um, a whole bunch of other stuff too. So, uh, writing a fantasy novel right now is kind of the, the other big, uh, bucket. Yes, indeed. And speaking of which, uh, Nick and I met over a Dungeons and Dragons game back in the day. So, yeah. Ah, okay, okay. See, my first job that I ever had was at a a card slash D and D shop. So that was that was uh, how I I got into the corporate world. So I I I feel at home now. <laughs> nice. I've got a huge a huge nerd thing right now, which is that my laptop set up in this recording space is actually sitting on a D and D three point five monster manual. <laughs> Fantastic. Those are nerd vibes. Yes, yes. Well, we've got uh, we've got some good topics ahead of us today. Um, you know, looking forward to definitely hearing about some of your uh, you know experience with the podcast and uh, some of the different topics and communities that you guys have covered. Um, Nick, I know you maybe had a couple questions to start us off there. You want to go ahead? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I think probably the main thing that drew us towards speaking with you guys um, was the podcast that you worked on together, and uh, that would be both and, uh, in which we also just saw that you had a reunion episode, which I um, mm. got, to, got to listen to uh, recently. So I, I think, you know, one of the biggest questions that, uh, that I had for you guys is, uh, you know, what prompted you to start this podcast? What were the kind of personal motivations for both of you? Um, and kind of how did it develop from there? And, and maybe just starting with kind of the the story of that podcast. I know your listeners obviously are familiar with it, but um, our listeners might just be coming to this. So um, I don't know what maybe Jason, do you want to start and, and then pass it off to Jared for for that question? Sure. Uh, well, we were both on Twitter and we both came across each other. Uh, we were both interested in meditation. We were both interested in, say, the developmental stage model of Robert Keegan. Uh, mm-hmm. We were also interested um, in, I think, larger themes just around personal and community development, um, you know, where society was going. And at one point, Jared just uh, suggested to me, you know, asked, you know, hey, maybe we should start a podcast. We seem to kind of be on the same vibe and it seemed like a good idea. Um, you know, we were already kind of starting to connect with with other folks who we, who we knew would be a good guess. And I guess that's that's really where it started. I don't know. What, what, what should we add, Jared? <laughs> um, let's see here. I'm trying to remember. I mean, well, the... Uh, the other thing I would say is that um, Jason highlighted a few of our like you know strongly held uh, or, or strongly the, the the things that we were passionate in the most. But there's also kind of uh, speaks to that liminal web that got brought up in the introduction a bit, um, in the sense that there is this kind of loose uh, network of kind of uh, eclectic thinkers and things that are interested in, in a lot of different aspects of. Um, personal and, and community development, as Jason said, which is, goes in all sorts of directions like complexity science and metamodernism and 
cultural mm-hmm. critique and ethics. You know, so it's just it's kind of a, a bit of a, a murky uh, thing to define. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it uh, also leads to people being in there. Um, being really good at kind of speaking against or speaking across different uh, kind of internet subcultures um, because you have like a really broad understanding of a bunch of different uh, interconnected scenes. Um, and so uh, one of our friends had coined this phrase mimetic mediation, hmm. uh, which is kind of like talking about being the connective tissue in a kind of a, a decentralized cloud of, of internet communities, um, internet slash local communities, obviously. Um, but uh uh, so, and we both had a fascination with that that role, uh, and that's what uh, some of our early conversations over Zoom, just uh, after talking a lot on uh, Twitter, kind of sparked. That was the, the the theme that was really there. So we started this as kind of trying to be trying to take that connective approach uh, into a podcast format, which is why like we had a lot of very very different guests on, uh, and and they so they so it was kind of uh, trying to. Uh, bridge gaps and and get people talking to each other and uh, and in a kind and kind of generative fashion as well. And and the other interesting thing I would say is that um, uh, while we're while we've kind of developed to the place where um, neither of us are kind of uh, very strictly adhering to and Jason can jump in and and say everything I'm saying is wrong. Uh, <laughs> strictly adhering to any kind of political definition, uh, and yet both of us in the past had. Uh, uh, periods of being very affiliated, uh, and mine was more from like a libertarian right perspective, and Jason came from a little bit more of the progressive left, um, and yet we had kind of met uh, in this 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 middle after we had kind of broadened our our, our perspectives, and so it was really fun nice. to be able to, you know, bridge two worlds and speak two different languages because uh, we both had such uh, uh, a long experience in those those subcultures as we were kind of growing up on the internet or something. <laughs> yeah, at the it's time, cool we were kind of, uh, sorry to just jump in real quick. At the time, we were, we were kind of calling it the meadow web. And part of it was, it seemed like a lot of us were tapping into this kind of meta language that that was able to reach across kind of tri- traditional political boundaries, um, tribal boundaries. Is, you know, this word tribal is, is not used in the, you know, <laughs> In the uh, traditional sense, but but more in the kind of like clusterings, uh, meta clusterings online, and there seemed to be a potential for kind of a lot of integration. Uh, again, you know, decentralized web. There's a lot of great things about that, but there's also kind of like this danger of reality tunnel divergence. And we we seem to be noticing and tapping into. Oh, there's actually a language, and the, and there's kind of a set of of frameworks um, uh, that we can use to. To actually increase our collective intelligence, even though you know, even though we have very different sensibilities, uh, and so I think that was really one of the key premises of the podcast was this kind of you know um, bringing in people you know from from very different groupings um, and and being able to have an interesting conversation, maybe break some new ground, you know, as well as just bringing on friends you know who, who also have the same mm-hmm. sensibility, and we can kind of speak inside baseball and stuff. So. I'd, I'd say those were kind of like the two, the, the two main premises of the podcast towards kind of personal and collective development. That's great, and it, you know it's very interesting to uh, hear that reflected on a, uh, as far as being able to you know bridge traditional political divides, right? Um, especially, I think those focuses on things like you know personal development. Uh, it's kind of uh, it's hard to get in some of the existing ideological conflicts when you're more focused on you know process or you know the personal, right? 
Uh, so I'm mm-hmm. glad that worked out for you. And, you know, it's definitely something that we've noticed as we've been going here is uh, how fun it is to, you know, through the different themes that these different podcasts have and the one that ours, ours has kind of developed uh, to bring people from different worlds into conversations. So uh, glad to hear that y'all were finding that effective as well. Yeah, I mean, the, the jury's out on whether it's effective. I, I, <laughs> yeah, uh, enjoyable. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's almost, the, the internet's become a scarier place uh, since we've, uh, you know, the, the, the longer the podcast went on. So maybe we had the opposite effect. You know, maybe we were, we're flaming the cultural wars, uh, you know, or, or, or uh, fueling the, the flames. T- the tell me more wars. about that, it becoming a more dangerous place. I like, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it just just a harder, harder place to... Um, avoid uh mm. being kind of immediately demonized or something or you know uh, just there's just so many um yeah uh, as as jason said there's all these uh kind of bubbles that you can find yourself in on the internet and, and those seem to be especially in the pandemic i think uh people just spending so much more time getting most of their human connection online um it, it feels like uh it kind of rigidified the the boundaries and and kind of and it was a scary time too so uh when we're scared humans uh we we often uh aren't uh, the best at uh, being kind to people who who might have some different opinions or perspectives than us so yeah makes sense i don't know am i full of shit jason <laughs> no I, I i i don't think so i know at the beginning of the pandemic a lot of people were saying this this could be like the great unifying factor of like yeah. you know we always said like you know, in order for, say, the globe to unify around common goals, there would need to be like an alien attack or something. And I was like, this could be the alien. Um, it was yeah. for like two weeks and then, uh, <laughs> and then it split off uh, into many different directions. And now, it, yeah, I, I think some of the cultural divisions are, are probably more deeply entrenched than ever. Nick, you had a question? Yeah. How much of... Uh, I guess I could preface this by talking a little bit about actually how we started Reroute, which is that um, Gavin and I... Um, we'd been friends for a long time. We've known each other for, I don't know, what, 13, 14 years now, mm-hmm. something like that. And um, I've had the privilege of being kind of a fly on the wall for a lot of really fascinating conversations that I've heard Gavin uh, have with with people in his interest areas. And these were interest areas that, um, you know, I wasn't really exposed to just given kind of my my background and my uh, career in, in the art space. Uh, and entertainment. And um, so there was like a very personal motivation for, for, from, from my side when we started this, just being that, you know, I was interested in getting exposed to some of these ideas, being around some of these thinkers um, and kind of being, uh, you know, becoming aware of um, kind of what, what some of these ideas are that might help lead us towards, towards, uh, towards a brighter future together. Um, and I'm wondering kind of like for, for the two of you guys, how, you know, you talked about sort of this role as, you know, being mimetic mediators and, um, sort of the sense making, how much of that was in the interest of kind of promoting these ideas to, uh, a larger audience or, and bringing people kind of coalescing people around these ideas and how much of it was just like purely personal for the, for the two of you in the, in the interest of just having interesting conversations or kind of expanding a network of thinkers. Yeah, both end. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, I, I wrote, yeah, um, they're pretty predictable. Yeah. Very predictable. <laughs> uh, a couple of years ago, I wrote an article for the side of you about mimetic mediation. And, but the focus of the article was that it, it was actually called the psychodynamics of mimetic mediation. And the premise was basically that you can't really, there's not a really clear boundary between kind of resolving the cognitive dissonance in your own mind and, uh, noticing it in the culture and trying to make sense of it. And, and so I framed it mm -hmm. as kind of like, this integrative process where, you know, you're trying to kind of make sense of these seem seeming conflicting worldviews uh, in a productive way, in a generative way, but it's also, it, you know, it's inevitably also part of your own, you know, spiritual uh, psychological process. Um, and so, yeah, it, it certainly was just fun to kind of like be part of a little scene. You know, we, we knew a lot of, you know, the other podcasters in the space that we had like a lot of common guests with. And sometimes we'd go on each other's podcasts and yeah, it was just fun. It was fun to be part of a little scene. Um, but yes, um, certainly, uh, you know, we also thought what we were doing was was worthwhile in the larger sense, or we hoped it was. Mm. Yeah. And we also, you know, we would spend... Um, you know, sometime discussing the type of people to have on too. And so that was, it was very deliberate in the sense of kind of like sensing into what needed to be heard. Uh, also kind of setting some standards in the sense that like, I, I think our minimum, like our only requirement for a guest was that um, we thought they were kind of coming in good faith uh, mm. and that there's a good, uh, a respectful conversation to be had um, and, and not, not uh, kind of uh, overtly manipulative or, you know, pushing certain agendas or something like that. I mean, I don't know if we always uh, are perfect, but that was kind of our only radar. And, and, you know, I think a big part of what Jason and I, uh, like the med mediation thing, I think you could take that very literally um, and some people, some people, friends of ours actually do that. Actually, there's a guy named Ryan Nakad, uh, who was in like this mimetic mediation, uh, exploration that we went through for a, a while, a couple of years. Um, and he's like a, a formally trained med mediator and, and he has so much like precision and like, he's very direct about it. I think Jason and I were very, um, kind of broad picture, you know, like, you know, the, the culmination of. 10 episodes uh, is going to do the work of mediation through kind of just, you know, broad exposure, kind, uh, friendly conversation uh, with people that are, are are kind of modeling the way that humans are supposed to talk to each other. So, you know, that was the aspiration. I don't know if we always accomplished it, but yeah, I mean, um, it was, it was, it was kind of, it wasn't a formal process. You know, part of it was, okay, let's get this guest on and, you know, they're going to bring an audience, uh, which of course we, we, you know, we, we enjoy, we appreciate, and maybe a few of their audience members will, will stick on for the next episode or, or check out other episodes and be exposed to a very, you know, oftentimes a very different set of ideas or a very different emphasis. Uh, and so that was kind of the idea of the medic mediation is like just, you know, whatever audience kind of stuck around just being exposed to all these different views in, as Jared was saying, you know, a format where you could have a respectful conversation and we were kind of like the common link. Right. And so, um, that's, I think the main way I, 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 I saw it, right. I, I think in the conversations, it was mainly just trying to have an interesting explorative, uh, conversation and, and maybe, you know, delve into some, some tricky issues, but, uh, it, it's really just kind of like, you know, the breadth um, you know, it wasn't, again, it wasn't always breadth, you know, a lot of times it was kind of inside baseball, people who thought, <laughs> thought in similar ways, but, but, um, you know, having, having, um, just this broad range of ideas that that could be processed through a single platform, uh, you know, we thought 
was this kind of informal mimetic mediation. And I, I will say, as I said, I don't know how successful we were, uh, but we did. I, I was happy that we have one metric uh, that I can reference that actually um, shows that we had a broad reach. And that was the sense that our two most popular uh, podcasts uh, were our two guests that were uh, so you know, radically different. They were on completely opposite ends of the political spectrum. <laughs> uh, nice. And so, uh, yeah, it, it was like we had a, a, what was it? Zero HP Lovecraft. I don't know what, what is his, I don't, I don't even know his background because he was like a Twitter guy. Is he still around, Jason? He's know. around. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, he probably identifies as the dissident right. Uh, you know, people would probably identify as alt-right or uh, frog Twitter or something like that. Um, yeah, he's, he's a fiction writer. He's actually a pretty brilliant fiction writer, but he has extreme right-wing points of view, um, <laughs> that are probably not, uh, you know, meant for play company. Yeah. Yeah. And then on the other end, we actually had someone that was, you know, utterly the, the, the definition of, uh, a polite, well, I don't know. He's pretty edgy too. I don't know. Michael Brooks, Michael Brooks. Uh, the late Michael Brooks. Um, yeah. I mean, he's a lefty. Yeah. He's just a, you know, he's a Marxist lefty, um, and he's yeah he's very he's very you know both of those conversations were very polite and, and I think very nice conversations. I you know the people coming on might not be shocked either way, but you know yeah very 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 much a different sensibility for sure. <laughs> well, I'm sure it takes an art to make such a big tent, so uh, that's awesome. Uh, I, I, I was curious to go back a little bit to the, um, you mentioned, uh, I wonder if we could just dive a little bit more into, you're talking about resolving cognitive dissonance, uh, kind of in yourself and in the surrounding culture at the same time, or can you, can you dive into that a little bit more with Jason? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Let's see. What else can I say? Uh, I can, I guess, talk a little bit about the process I went through, you know, I, I went sure. through a period in my life, you know, especially in, in my twenties and early thirties, where I, I just felt, um, you know, I was just kind of living in very different worlds, mimetic worlds, where I'd be around one group of people and just, you know, like their whole kind of mimetic world was just was so different. You know, the premises were so different than than others that that I was exposed to, and this created what I call cognitive dissonance, that you know actually manifested itself as like physical ten tension in the body. Um, and it created a lot of confusion and it really kind of, you know, uh, prevented me from, uh, I guess, being able to function really mm. right in, in the world and in, in the way that I wanted to, you know, I still function, but uh, in the way that I wanted to. And it really, you know, uh, you know, part of what helped me work through that was meditation uh, and, you know, part of the process of, you know, the type of meditation that I did, which was kind of a mixture of Vipassana and self-inquiry. Mm -hmm is kind of noticing the relationships between the body and the mind and, and how tensions in the body are related to thoughts mm -hmm. and, and narratives. Um, and exploring that was really helpful. Uh, and, you know, so then how I relate it to the podcast is, you know, just having to, you know, expose myself to a certain sensibility or a certain set of ideas, process them in my own being, even if I, I might really strongly disagree with them and, you know, try and hold their mental model, right? Try and look through their paradigm uh, of the world, so to speak. Um, to me, it's not just a mental exercise, right? It's a mental, emotional, uh, physiological hmm. exercise. Um, and I think it also requires uh, this kind of metacognitive capacity where you're able to kind of, you know, not 
you know, you're able to kind of step outside of your own worldview, step into side other worldviews and, and hold them kind of lightly. Um, and, you know, this also relates to this notion of um, like uh, meta rationality. Uh, and this relates to like the, like the Keegan model. And I, I mentioned that, you know, we, we, we both had yep. a shared interest in, in this Keegan model of personal development. And, you know, one stage is, you know, you're really kind of entrenched in your worldview and, and you kind of, uh, you know, kind of, um, manage your relationships through that worldview, that ideology. And at a certain point, it might start to crack and you, you might see kind of flaws in that worldview and then everything starts to fall apart and you might fall into kind of, you know, this kind of nihilism or, you know, deconstructionism or, you know, what's generally associated with kind of postmodern sensibility. And then and then after that, you, you, you start to climb out of that and you realize that actually, you know, you could take a more pragmatic approach and, and not really identify so strongly with one particular worldview right. would be able to kind of, you know, dance, switch lenses. Dance with, yeah. Dance with them. Yeah. Well, and the other thing there I would say is that, uh, as Jason said, uh, nihilism is kind of this gap between those, one of the predictable kind of failure modes of that, of trying to bridge between those two worlds. Um, another option is to revert too. you can, you can kind of double down on, on, um, on some certainty that would, that whatever last felt certain. And usually, before that very personal uh, type of development and perspective on things is developed, uh, it's usually more of a communal uh, space. So that can be another strategy is to just retreat to the communal space and say, like, what is the what does my tribe say? Right. You know, this feels at least this feels secure. Uh, and I couldn't trust my own worldview, but the, the, everybody else has got it figured out. Um, and so that, that that can be a reaction to it as well in some some strange sense. Um, and also, that is an option in the, the the fluid perspective too. That comes after the nihilist uh, uh, pit. You can still relate with your tribe, um, and and actually, you can relate with more tribes because you you, you don't feel that they're in perpetual uh, war. But uh, you know, you're you're a bit more of a, a mediator or something. Definitely. <laughs> and we'll stick. Uh, I know we're talking about uh, Keegan levels and and that model, and we'll stick that in the show notes for folks because uh, it definitely is an interesting uh, thing to, to to learn about. Uh, Nick, was there something you want to say? Um, so my question was, um, I guess, mostly for you, Jason, but also for you, Jared. You know, um, just hearing you talk about this um, processing of uh, cognitive dissonances that, y- you know, having these conversations and exposure to different viewpoints um, allowed you to do. I'm kind of wondering what part, uh, you know, what role does does having a podcast play in that? Like, is there something that is there is there some of this resolution of cognitive dissonance that can be done at a distance as it were sort of in the third person by listening to conversations like the ones that you were holding or is it the kind of thing that must be done in the first person uh how, how do you view that yeah that's an interesting question i think to some degree it can be done in the third person i i mean i know i've benefited a lot from listening to other podcasts and you know podcasts that you know, are pretty different in terms of their sensibility and ideological orientation, just in terms of kind of this kind of cognitive empathy of, you know, I just need to understand this worldview from the inside out. And, you know, understanding it kind of rationally is, is the first step. It's it's not going to get you all the way there, but it is the first step. Uh, first person, I think, is obviously the best, right? Where you can actually develop a felt relationship with someone, uh, that you you know you can share you can bond over shared you know taste in music or um, you know just a shared sense of humor even though you have a very different kind of viewpoint of the world 
Um, but in terms of just what's possible on a podcast format, you know, given that we're not, you know, we're, we're not in a room with all of our guests and, and we're not in a room with all of our audience, um, you know, I, I think it, it definitely, uh, it, it, it plays an important role, at least it, did, it has it has for me. Uh, so I hope, you know, for our, for our audience, um, it, it played that, you know, that role for them, you know, with the acknowledgement that it's not sufficient, right? You actually need to engage with people in, in real life, uh, in physical space. And, and, you know, one, one area where my, my interests, um, have, have really strengthened in the last couple of years, um, especially since both end is this notion of localism and, and building up a sense of place and, and connecting with people nearby who, who might have a very different, um, again, kind of set of ideologies, but you can build up these kind of patterns of functional interdependence and, and respect. And, you know, perhaps, perhaps. What does that term mean? You know, functional, you said functional, functional interdependence. Inter- yeah. Functional interdependence. Right. Like, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically a fancy way of, of saying, you know, neighbors helping each other out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's okay. basically yep. what it means. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and I think we've lost that. We've lost a lot of that in uh, American society. Uh, we've, it's become yeah. very in, in individualistic. It's become very atomized. Um, and I, I think, you know, I, I, I really think we need to revive communities um, in real life. And, and I think it's, it can be a nice complement to what happens digitally. I've made this distinction between kind of physical localism and digital localism. Mm-hmm. Digital localism being kind of shared interests where you connect with people online, you, you know, you find other D&D players that people are into a D&D and, right. or other people who interested in kinds of music or whatever. And I think that's, that's a great thing to have. And I'm, I'm really appreciative for that, but that is not sufficient, right? You can't have a bunch of atomized people connecting with people across the country and they're, they're, you're all in apartments. You don't know your neighbors like that. That's the recipe for dystopian hellscape in the long term. I think it is. Uh, it also reminds me a little, we had a, we had a guest, uh, Kate Deem, uh, who's a great kind of uh, I don't know, technological philosopher or design ethicist, even though he hates design ethics, but uh, he's an easy, great person to talk to about, you know, kind of optimizing technology for localism. And I found that really interesting, him kind of challenging the idea of developing for for sort of, you know, infinite scale of your products. Um, nice. Yeah. I will say to um, to strengthen a, a bit of the, the, the podcast uh, prompt to, I, I do think that it can be, so as Jason was saying, this this kind of process of, of falling out of a worldview that was quite solid at one time, I, I think, you know, both of us, uh, would often talk about what that was like for us, and it is mm. confusing. And and both of us kind of approached it in, in kind of unique ways. I, I won't uh, go into to too many gory details, but uh, but I will say one of the things that was helpful for me uh, also was meditation, a different approach than than Jason. But um, the interesting thing is, a, a lot of mine was about just kind of like getting distance from my own. Uh, you know, mm. Jason did probably the more healthy way is like getting in his body. Uh, I, I, I actually am doing a lot more of that these days. Um, but uh, I kind of prioritized the distance in the beginning. Um, and so I could actually kind of see my own, uh, you know, uh, uh, irrational uh, connections to prior ideas and things like that. Um, and And yet, it's, it would still be really hard to kind of detangle my emotional attachment to you know being open to listening to somebody that I mm-hmm. know that I just fundamentally disagree with, uh, and 
I feel like listening to a broad range of podcasts, uh, just because I've, I've, they've been kind of my primary media source for most of my adult life, um, was always kind of like a litmus test uh, and sometimes like a very deliberate practice. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to go find somebody from this tribe that I, you know, that I cannot stand. Like the moment I see them, I get so triggered or something. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to stay with this for hours and see if I can like find some way of connecting with them. Um, I think it's to Jason's point, it's like so unnatural. Uh, and it was like, it, it was just like a real, it was like going to the gym, you know, it was, it was not a, a, a fun process all the time. And yet the result was great. Similar to going to the gym, all of a sudden I could come out of this, uh, this space that I, I was very hostile at one time and, and see it in a more charitable way and be able to have actual interesting conversations and learn from each other. So, um, yeah, but I, I would say definitely not a natural, uh, thing for the, the human yeah. <laughs> uh, psyche to want to do, um, I'm curious, was there any... I would prefer local. Yeah. Was there any things throughout that process that you feel like you had or that you were inspired to kind of like change your mind on in a big way? Uh, and, you know, not to put you too much on the spot, but uh, was there and like, if there was, what what did that feel like or, or what was that like to move through that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I had a... Jason kind of, uh, in, I think the very end of our podcast, maybe the one, the last episode or the the second to last episode, uh, we we talked a bit about how um, while we were doing both and, I actually had gotten to the place where I had so much distance from all of them that I kind of had erased a lot of preference for any of them. I was mm-hmm. like, I was open to everything, you know, and, and I might still be critical of some of the analysis or something. I'd be like, yeah, that doesn't make a bunch of sense. Um, but it was, I, I did get to the point where I could like really be open in any conversation with with anybody uh, to, to some degree when I was completely dissociated. Um, but then there's this whole integration process of like, you know, uh, what I've been doing over the past couple of years is like getting back into my my human emotions and and learning how to process those more similar to the way that Jason was talking about it. Jason just kind of started there. Um, so it, yeah, it, it had its benefit, but it was also kind of like floating in the clouds. Uh, you know, it, it was kind of an inhuman <laughs> uh, perspective in some sense. And I can pick this up as well. I, I think both Jared and I evolved throughout the process. Uh, and this was kind of demonstrated when, you know, uh, we kind of left both end. We, we kind of each went in our different direction and we didn't really talk to each other for, you know, a year and a half. Um, you know, and I, I think, you know, Jared, uh, I think you were, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, you know, kind of how you would describe the direction you went into. I don't, you know, you can maybe do that after. But for me, uh, you know, my, my worldview was shifting very rapidly in like the last six months of both end and, you know, getting much more, um, you know, in, into this kind of, Doomer optimism sensibility that you know actually part of a podcast on now, um, uh, you know, and just connecting with a new set of people and, and how, how I've described it before, and I think this this works is, you know, going into both end, it was more of like being in the middle, being the connective tissue, as, as Jared described, and and I started realizing that, uh, I you know, my own sense of where I stand, my standpoint. Uh, started to, to strengthen and I started feeling like I was developing kind of a stronger point of view. Whereas before I was just trying to kind of understand, okay, where are you coming from? Okay, where are you coming mm-hmm. from? And at a certain point I was like, I know where I'm coming from, right? Like there's just things that I feel are, you know, indisputably, indisputably true. I have I have values. Yeah. So I So my interest was definitely starting to move in a different direction away from this, you know, 
kind of quote unquote liminal web. Um, you know, and it took me about a year going down that that path, especially after both end ended, where you know I, I've started kind of coming back around full circle and reconnecting, um, you know, with some of um, the people and and the conversations and you know in in this kind of larger space. But I felt like I needed to go through a process of like, okay, now I need to like dive in to a worldview, <laughs> right, mm-hmm. and just you know, operate within there for a while. Yeah. And, and, and funnily enough, but I, we both did the exact same thing. I, you went into the, the kind of localism and, um, and I went into, uh, a, a, a super nerdy esoteric, uh, form of Buddhism, uh, <laughs> with a bunch of really nerdy people. Uh, so, so yeah, both of us kind of dove quite, quite deep for the past year, year and a half or two years or something like that. And and similarly, have been having you know we had our reunion episode after seventeen months or something like that of not talking, um, and uh, and a lot of that was fun because we could kind of both kind of see that yeah it, it does feel like time to kind of pop up from our uh, you know being heads down for for the past uh, while and see what we can share and and kind of contribute back to the graph and some of our time even though those continue to be that deep dive is still kind of in process yeah I really appreciate uh, what you guys shared there. As far as um, I think both of you, but but Jason, you know, you're sort of sharing about um, coming from a place originally of like mediating or finding all these different worldviews and and sort of sorting through them, and then kind of coming into your own voice. Because uh, I find a lot of resonance in that with the um, kind of Keegan levels that we talked about and different kinds of adult development, where you know it feels like oftentimes in the beginning, a lot of us make decisions based on you know a like what would our tribe say or what would our friends say. And then kind of like, well, okay, maybe I can find a couple different ways to look at this. And then it becomes kind of like, no, what is, you know, what is in you? What are your values? What are your principles and these kinds of things? And so. Yeah, I think one, you know, before I might have, I think I see that process is less linear now. Like before I thought, okay, mm-hmm. there's these levels, you're at level three or level four, or level five, whatever. Um, and just based on my own experience where I felt like I was trying at least to operate from this kind of meta-rational space and then feeling the need to kind of re-inhabit a worldview, right? Which which would seem like, according to this model, a reversion, but it didn't feel like a reversion to me. It felt very necessary, right? And yep. and, and now I'm kind of coming back around. So it's, it's been interesting for me to to relate to this kind of initial framework that we went into both end with in, in a new way where it's like, actually, it's it's not so linear. It's it's, you know, spirally, it's, you know, uh, it circles back around and, um, you know, it's, 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 um, it's less, uh, yeah, it, it's less rationalistic now, which, which you know, may be the point. Yeah. And well, and I don't know if this rings true for you too, Jason, but it's like, it, it also is not you know, connecting a lot to what you're saying about embodiment, like feeling into, uh, your emotional, kinesthetic uh kind of more what traditionally uh, in a lot of spiritual circles they call like your subtle body mm. uh this is a lot of where the intuition of how to navigate between all those spaces comes from for me uh and and so it's it's unfortunate that it's not a um it's not an equation that can be applied uh and and you know every circumstance is completely new uh and being able to kind of like as jason was saying see the relationship between your physio emotional uh, reality and your mind uh, and, and have them not be in conflict uh, is, is kind of the capacity that is really challenging to develop, to be able to, to move between those, um, you know, the, the, the develop quote unquote development levels that as Jason says, mm-hmm. are not linear. And we actually, each context is, is uh, uh, you know, more or less appropriate for one of them to be completely embodied. Um, 
and be able to move between different tribes is what, you know, different uh, systematic tribes, you know, oh, I'm going to apply my economics lens here. Oh, I'm going to apply my Buddhism lens here. I'm going to apply this lens, you know, and so so it, it becomes very um, complex and yet uh, a lot more more uh, intuitive uh, in, in some sense at the same, same, in the same way. Makes sense. I don't know, Jason. Jason, am I am I speaking out of my ass? No, here? no, I don't that, know. That makes sense to me. <laughs> I mean, you said it well. I don't. I don't think I have anything to add. Um, yeah, no. This is. Uh, I feel like it's it's kind of very new territory. I, I mean, I think this kind of embodiment and developing your intuition and and the relationship between your intuition and your metacognition and having those not being at war with each other. Um, and we're. I think we're all in new territory, right? Where um, you know, there's we're kind of in this sphere of, of evolutionary mismatch, right? We evolved um, as hunter-gatherer tribes and a lot of our, you know, what we call now our cognitive biases, but they, you know, they developed these quote-unquote biases evolved for a very good reason under very specific contexts. And, you know, now we're in this kind of, you know, what I would call kind of a hyper-modern, hyper-modern you know, digital mediated landscape. And, you know, we're all kind of, you know, beyond our, you know, zone of familiarity. And so we don't really know what these models look like in, in this kind of world, right? Um, so we're all just kind of feeling our way through. Yeah, definitely important stuff to sort out. Um, I think Nick maybe had a couple uh, more tactical questions on like, you know, talking shop, podcasting stuff. I know, you know, one of the things that's kind of fun to explore here is, you know, I, I think we both kind of had some some kind of goals for I don't know if doing the good is the right way to put it, but, you know, definitely trying to, um, to help out, uh, with something. And so if there's other people who are trying to do podcasts or if there's, uh, you know, even for us, uh, We'd love to hear some tips. I don't know if you have any specific questions there, Nick. Yeah, well, actually, I can kind of tack this onto what you guys were just talking about, Jason and, and Jared. That um, you know, one thing that uh, I heard you guys mention at one point in your uh, reunion episode was this sense that, uh, and you, you guys have both just kind of um, reiterated it here to a degree, is this sense of uh, kind of a consolidation of worldview that you, you know and maybe this isn't quite the right way to put it, but that you, there was a, a, a very, a very broad, a, a sense of openness that you went into the podcast with and a sense of really absorbing a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different opinions and a lot of different views and frameworks and um, kind of being, being really receptive to that. And then a kind of a parsing of that throughout the period of time that you guys are working on the cast to the point where you, you know, have moved on to these other projects that, um, you know, are maybe maybe just a bit more kind of focused in in a in a stance or or a worldview and a position. And I think that feels to me like a really valuable thing to offer or model in a world where there is so much information and there are mm. so many perspectives and it can be so overwhelming and decision paralysis is a really big thing. And it's very scary to take a stand because nobody wants to be wrong, uh, especially when you are being, you know, recorded or uh, posted about or, um, you know, everything in your life is public um, and lives for eternity somewhere. Um, and so I guess I'm, I'm just interested, the question that came up for me when you guys were talking was, were there some best practices that you... Uh, you know, that you modeled in these conversations for not the result, but for the process of having these conversations? What worked well for you um, when you were having a conversation with somebody? Were, were there, um, 
Yeah, I can't think of a better way to put it than that. Were there best practices? What were some of the the rules of thumb that you guys used when approaching, um, you know, such divergent perspectives and ideologies? And um, just for the sake of ease, maybe uh, maybe Jared, why don't you start? Yeah, well, it's um, it's interesting because I I kind of think this ties into where we were just at too with this how to navigate between different worlds. Um, I think the and maybe this is a bit of a um, a Buddhist Buddhist uh, framing here, uh, but you know, cue the Buddhist to to, to talk about it. Um, one of the uh, the kind of hallmarks uh, is uh, compassion uh, is is being this really important thing in Buddhism, um, and compassion is is I think if we think of it in the way we translate it, it kind of limits it, but that can also just be like enjoyment, appreciation. Uh, kindness, you know, basic etiquette, you know, there's, there's a, a million ways that we act from good faith toward other people. Uh, and when you're doing that, it also makes it very easy to be more open and receptive and see, see the broader picture. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of feel like that, that felt like the rule, uh, that was kind of held everything together was like, we're going into these conversations with good faith, uh, that, that if we broke that, then, you know, that would have been maybe the only way we could have failed, uh, <laughs> in some mm-hmm. sense. Um, and then ironically, along the way, you know, of, of kind of bringing this openness to connecting to a bunch of different people and canvassing the world of all the things that we're interested with, um, eventually there's some interest uh, or maybe say compassion again, this this uh, attraction to engaging with something in good faith. And, and we both found uh, through that those explorations um, and, and in our own time as well. Uh, what we were most interested in with, and it became uh, obvious because it's like, yeah, I've I've seen a lot of seen a lot of things, and I know what what really sparks my my uh, my kind involvement in some sense. Mm, and without that, without that passion, or that sorry, that compassion and that openness, maybe maybe is what you're saying. Maybe you wouldn't have seen the way forward so clearly, or or, or seen what was what was drawing you towards it. Yeah, I think that, that you know that those that's the combination. You know, like that's actually the whole uh, the whole project of Buddhism. You know, there's really only two rules, and it's compassion and openness, uh, or wisdom is, is what the, would the be the the, the um, direct translation. Hmm. Um, I don't know, Jason. Uh, you know, give pull it out of us, pull us out of Buddhist territory here. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is I think clearly related, but you know, going into conversations not to have a debate, but framing it more as kind of co-exploration, right? And and so kind of meeting people where they're at, where at least where we, th- we think they're at, and trying to, you know, build something constructive throughout the conversation that expands, you know, both of our kind of perspectives and maybe breaks some new ground, you know, generates some new insight. Um, and so not seeing, you know, not seeing it as an argument to be one, you know, um, but, but can, can we explore together using these different sets of tools that each, you know, participant brings to the, brings to the table? Yeah. You know, it's, I was just going to quickly say, I, I recognized, uh, that in uh, the pandemic helped me recognize that a lot in my, uh, personal life. Just, I realized how many, uh, the parties I was going to and stuff like that, I was just constantly in that argumentative frame <laughs> and it's just so easy to be there sometimes. And it, uh, yeah. I don't know, doing things like podcasting is a great reminder of 
of how we hold our conversations just in daily life. So I appreciate that. Right, right. And and I think there is a real difference, uh, kind of going back to what Jared says about good faith. You know, if, if somebody perceives that you're trying to say like a gotcha question or, you know, you're trying to set them up for something versus, if, you know, if there's if there's this kind of sense of trust that is just kind of conveyed in the conversation, uh, you know, it just makes a huge difference. And I, it, both both in terms of just the relationship, but also I think in the quality of the conversation as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very basic human connection, right? Like, I, I feel like that's kind of you know, maybe the the goal of the thing was like to to kind of model and promote what it's like to to um, maintain the the possibility of connecting with anybody because we're all kind of maybe that'd be a a grandiose encapsulation of what we did <laughs> when it really it was just like ooh I'm really interested in this what's what's uh call tell this person to come talk to us <laughs> yeah there were a couple conversations that got a little testy. Um, one, I don't, I don't want to mention names, but, but one was with a guy who I would characterize as being a hardcore mm. utilitarian. Um, and I have just kind of, um, you know, kind of a almost an emotional visceral problem with, with some of the, you know, what I perceive as kind of the extremes of that argument. And I felt that that conversation was probably, I think it was still a good conversation. It was a little testy. And there was, a, you know, a little bit of what felt like, okay, this is more of a, of a debate. And I think that's okay. I, I think that's okay. Uh, I think, you know, it was still overall respectful and you know, I don't think anyone left with any hard feelings, but it was a little bit, mm. you know, tense. And there was another one uh, like that as well. Um, again, it's, it's really hard without n- mentioning names. I, I, I don't really <laughs> want to mention names. Um, where he was kind of turning the questions back on us, and um, and it was it was definitely it felt a little tense to me, and it was actually kind of cool. Um, like he kind of put <laughs> us on the spot uh, about so, Jared. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And and that was, I mean, it was it was different. Uh, I don't think it was bad. Um, so yeah, I, I think in general, I don't necessarily, you know. I'm not afraid of a little bit of, you know, tension and debate. I think it can actually be be good and it could be fun too. Um, but as long as there's kind of like this meta framework of, you know, you know, you're our guest, you're in our home, right? We all want to be respectful. And, you know, and as long as you have that kind of meta framework of good faith, then you can kind of get into it a little bit. Yeah, I think I think you were uh probably because you were more embodied than me uh you were more capable of of modeling that type of uh, the the you know the um courage to be able to go towards something whereas me i think a lot of times if there were episodes where we were talking to somebody that i was just having a really hard time relating to you know like i i just don't i can't get with there or i know what they're i think i know what they're saying and i completely disagree or whatever i would usually just kind of distance myself um but that you know and, and that might have made thing made that made it so that things were still um uh in good faith and and not not hostile uh but it was a, a disengagement in some sense so i i see that as kind of being equally uh you know disrespectful and and you know if it if it's possible to uh you know, we're humans. Like sometimes we just got to wrestle a little bit, right? Like, and, and, and there can be even some playfulness that comes up. Uh, you know, it, it can, the, sometimes when you're wrestling, it turns into a real fight and that is, uh, uh, always a risk, uh, which is why the, the courage needs to be there to go there first. But, uh, yeah, it's something that I didn't really, uh, feel the, 
capacity to be able to do at the time. Um, maybe it'd be different now. I don't know, Jason, you want to, you want to fight on a podcast <laughs> or something like that? Well, maybe we should. Jared and Jason, the great debate. It's going to happen. <laughs> we're going to go at it. Well, maybe, maybe, um, you know, we were talking about having kind of reunion episodes like every so often, like maybe every six months, every mm -hmm. year, maybe we could also have, you know, like once every, you know, six months or something, we could just bring on someone that we know we're going to just fight with. And, and then we can, we can test your, your, um, you know, your development <laughs> yeah, yeah. Both and is going to neither <laughs> or, yeah, yeah we're going <laughs> to, yeah, that would be funny. Like a rebrand where we just come out of like, you know, it's like kind of fits with reroute. That's our theme, right? So you guys came to our podcast and came out like just right. butting heads and clashing and disrespecting each other. <laughs> First heard here. Yeah. 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 That's great. Um, there we go. You know, kind of speaking of button heads, you know, one of the questions I kind of like asking people sometimes is, uh, what was something that was frustrating about doing it? You know, was there anything that, that really popped up that felt that way? What was frustrating, Jared? <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I, I would say a kind of a, a low grade, like low energy frustration that I think Jason and I both always kind of felt, I, I'm, I'm assuming here, uh, was implied by some of our answers of like not really knowing if what we were doing mm. was useful <laughs> you know like we enjoyed it i don't regret it at all but i it's really hard to tell uh what the impact was because we we had such a you know casual um approach to just kind of like throwing it out there and seeing like offering it to Makes people sense. to get something out of it um i, I mean we 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 had a fair amount of people, but uh, that listened, and and some people continue to uh, follow us in our own little uh, ventures and things like that. I'm sure there was some good stuff. I just have no idea how much, and I think maybe sometimes that was a bit strange to kind of think about. Like, I don't know, should we? Are we doing good? Like, what do we, what do we need to change here? <laughs> yeah, I think maybe near the end, like the last six months, when we were our, our interests were kind of diverging a little bit mm. uh, in the conversations and this wasn't this is like low grade as well um it seems like there might have been a little tension of like where we're taking the conversation you know like just in terms of you know which i don't think was a problem like is it i think it, it might have actually improved the conversations where like you know maybe i'm kind of trying to take it in one direction and jared kind of taking a different direction you know so it's like oh i want to continue down this line but okay the other person's gonna you know kind of change the subject now um Again, I, it wasn't that that wasn't. I'm just kind of. I might just be making something up just to make just to make up something. Um, but if, you know, that's just that's just something that maybe um, you know, slight in the last yeah the last few months of the of the series. But I don't know. I I, I, I could see yeah. it. Yeah, I was like, oh, I, what's the likelihood that Jared's going to talk about Vajrayana this episode, and Jason's <laughs> going to talk about plants? Right. You know, like it's they're really high. You know, like that's what we were into. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plants, dirt. Maybe dirt is a better. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What, what's the sacred? What's the sacrament in the uh, agro agro world? In the doomer optimism world? Hmm. Ecology. Bioregions. Ecology. Okay. Okay. Yeah. There we I go. definitely hear you on that. Uh, <laughs> you know, measuring your impact. That seems like a. Um, you know, it's funny because you think about asking frustrations, and it's like, okay, well, it's just gonna be negative. But that's that's a really good point for. Um, feedback on, you know, how can we improve is to maybe get better at uh, measuring that or figuring that out. Um, and I think that's something we'll have to think about. So I appreciate that. Um, yeah. I mean, at the same time, I think that that can be, I, I think we, we didn't actually 
bring it up. It wasn't something that we were talking about regularly because we kind of knew the nature of having this, you know, this open-ended uh, exploration, kind of vulnerable exploration, you know, like not knowing what you're doing and doing it out loud is, is kind of, mm. you know, but we did that on purpose because it was like, this is what it kind of takes to try and yeah, fair, open yeah. your, your worldview. Um, and so we, we didn't want to kind of sacrifice the, uh, the calculation <laughs> of return on investment because it would have changed what we were doing in some sense. Right. Um, yeah. But I, I'd be lying if I said that it didn't still feel a little weird sometimes. Mm. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't um, plan out our podcast or our conversations. Um, we did as partly, you know, partly maybe just because we were lazy, but we didn't do any prep for the conversations. And, and, and kind of the idea for me was at least I, I like jumping into things blind and seeing mm. how how the conversation emerges without much kind of, you know, predetermination. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that's a good way to build a brand or <laughs> anything like that, but I think it led us to some interesting, you know, interesting. It was a good rationalization <laughs> for us being lazy. Yeah. Yeah, it, I'll it, have uh, to use that one. Yeah. Really good. <laughs> well, it's an interesting question, right? Because like, even if that impact is just kind of on a very um, sort of localized, even if it's digitally local, localized sphere of influence, like, how many of those conversations would you guys have had were it not for the podcast? And how important were those conversations in your lives and in the lives of the people you spoke with? Very, very important for us. Um, I mean, it's the best, mm -hmm. having a podcast is like the best networking tool in the world as, as you guys probably you know, know, or I'm, I'm sure, I'd be surprised if that wasn't your perspective as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, so many people that, you know, you have an excuse to talk to somebody who you find really interesting that, it might have been awkward if you would have just reached out to them otherwise, uh, especially if they're kind of a, a bigger name or something. Um, so personally, yeah, it was it was just great. It, you know, from very selfish reasons, it was it, it you know felt like a great excuse to to talk with people, and have interesting conversations, and and you know some of those connections you know are still really important to me, uh, and you know have led to other types of collaboration as well. Um, so. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. What about you, Jared? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just imagining now that we need to put together a course, like uh, the the recipe to to uh, start a podcast uh, in a selfish, lazy way, right? Like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want to shit on us too much. I, I mean, we did do it for a reason, uh, but uh, yeah, and, and I feel the same way. The, it was very, very gratifying, and not only is it make it easier to reach out to people uh, that you normally wouldn't, but it also, like, people just talk to you that wouldn't normally talk to you, yeah. you know? Like, there was definitely uh, moments where we had some people that in our, like, little Twitter worlds are, uh, or, or online worlds are kind of, like, internet famous. And so, um, yeah, there, there probably would have been no way in hell they would have wanted to, to jump on a call with us if we didn't have a podcast. Nice. It was really fun. Um, were there, and I know you guys did your kind of recap award show, um, but I'm wondering if there was just, you know, kind of one or two things that really felt kind of inspiring that you've taken or uh, if there's if there's like an episode that felt like it really integrated into your life in a strong way. Hmm, Jason. So I, I mentioned, you know, the most valuable episode for me was with um, this guy, Joe Brewer. And I still would, would pick that one just because uh, his sensibility in that conversation was probably the closest approximation of kind of the direction I was heading mm -hmm. into. I, I, I think I've since kind of, you know, synthesized other things. And so, you know, I've, you know, I've, I've found a somewhat different voice, but in terms of just at the time being 
being the most influential for the the path I was kind of moving on. And that conversation in particular, um, you know, was was really important for me. Um, you know, although again, it, it didn't. Uh, you know, I, I, now I, you know, I think since then there's been a lot of other influences, and um, you know, I don't. I wouldn't say you know I, I have it. You know, I'm opposed to him or anything, but I just you know I've developed my own perspective that you know has you know some agreements and and some disagreements, and uh, but it was yeah. just in kind of. And what was kind of the general topic of that conversation? That was, um, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. bioregionalism regeneration, um, heavy on seeing kind of, uh, really centering, uh, this notion of ecological collapse and climate destabilization and, and what that implies for, you know, our societies moving forward. And, and in particular, like what it implies for, like, what's the most important thing to be, to be working on now in terms of developing kind of life ways that are, that are much, um, you know, uh, much closer or much more integrated with ecology and, um, with, uh, you know, and, you know, with ecology, with our food, you know, how, just how we live is, is much more kind of ecologically oriented. So I think that's in a nutshell. Yeah. Great. And we'll drop that in the show notes. Uh, Jared. Um, I can't remember what I said. I think I might've said the, was it the simple one that I said it was my favorite or the most impactful? Yeah. The most valuable. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Well, I'll pull an audible then. So yeah, if you, if you really <laughs> want to hear the words, uh, go check out episode number 45. Um, Please do. Anyways, um, my, my, uh, my nominee today would be, it was, I think our second conversation with Peter Lindbergh, uh, who was kind of the, uh, the silent, well, maybe not so silent, but uh, the the third kind of uh, pillar of the the podcast because his articulation of mimetic mm. mediation was the thing that kind of inspired us to start the podcast. So I'll, I'll give that one. And that was kind of a, I need to go listen to it again, actually, because it yeah. would be, be interesting to hear where we were at because that, that theme for us has evolved so much right. did while we were on the podcast and, and, and even to this day. Um, from post COVID is, is also evolved a lot too. So yeah, and he, yeah, and he's, a, he's the host of the Stoa oh, yeah. okay. now, which was also prominent in the liminal web article. Just, just FYI. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Peter's brilliant. He's like, he, he the coins a phrase that he, uh, he's a, a <laughs> master. That's been one words. of my personally favorite <laughs> things about doing this is, you know, you end up listening to these episodes a few times as you're kind of going through editing or doing different things and just hearing words of wisdom repeated in my head over and over again from people I respect has <laughs> been very valuable. Hmm. <laughs> Ooh, I, I do have to, now that you said it, though, we did talk to Eric Davis, uh, who's this just unbelievably smart dude. Uh, and he is the most articulate person that I have, I, I, you know, his, I don't understand how his, his mind and mouth work together. It's just, uh, it just blows me away. Yeah. And editing him was that experience. I was just like, oh my God, yes. I don't have to, this is pristine. You know, I could spend two hours editing somebody else. It wouldn't be as good as this. You know, so if you want to hear someone, a, a master orator, uh, Eric Davis is the well, guy. Well, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I was curious to ask you guys about, especially as you've, you know, both, I guess, through the podcast, but also as you've been doing your integration and kind of diving into kind of specific interest areas is, are there any of these intellectual communities online that you have uh, found recently that you, you know, would like to share with people that, you know, I think others that might be interested in these topics would want to dive into. I know some of these are private, but if there's any that, that you'd like to share, I'd like to open the floor there. Well, I could uh, shill kind of my own community that I've kind of helped um, mm-hmm. uh, develop. 
which is, you know, the, the doomer optimism. Uh, yeah, I would, I would call it a community. It's, it's kind of, or a meme plex, um, you know, which is turned into podcasts and a sub stack. Um, and, you know, it's very much along these lines of like the need for um, or emphasis towards localism or, or bioregionalism, as well as kind of ecological regeneration, regenerative agriculture, agroecology, things of that nature, you know, developing more resilient uh, living systems in general, uh, as well as, you know, as well as kind of looking at the uh, potentials of technology, you know, how different types of technology like Web3 and um, what's called cosmological production or distributed technology could could aid could aid in these endeavors uh, to, um, yeah, to, to move towards, you know, what we see as kind of a, you know, a more re- resilient and regenerative civilization. Um, and it's, it's kind of just like, you know, a whole kind of crew online, you know, on Twitter and it's not that cohesive. There's, you know, there's a lot of disagreement and stuff, but it is kind of a, I would call it a memetic tribe uh, in, in that kind of original definition that, that Peter Lindbergh you know, initially coined. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's fun. Uh, it's, it's fun to kind of like be part of, you know, of, of helping, of, of, you know, have been part from the kind of the beginning of, of nice. helping to create. What is the, the doomer part of that involved? Yeah. Well, the doomer part is kind of a recognition that, you know, uh, or there's a lot of existential risk out there and we're, we're kind of, sure. um, yeah. in a, in a lot of trouble, uh, as, uh, you know, as, as humans, I, I would say. And so in some ways, uh, a lot of the mm-hmm. trend lines don't look good. And so that's kind of like, oh, we're doomed. Um, but it's also the recognition that you can't stop there. Right. right? Cause that just leads to fatalism or nihilism or depression. Um, and so, uh, but you have to kind of integrate the real challenges, like really, you know, with your feet on the ground, like really, you know, uh, metabolize, Mm -hmm. um, these real challenges, not, not be naive. Uh, but once you do that, then you start, can, can start seeing, you know, um, potentials, um, uh, reasons for, for hope, uh, in certain domains. And so the doomer optimism is kind of like almost like going through this process of like doom <laughs> to like post doom, so to speak. So that that's kind of the the premise behind it. Would you would you be able to share a few of those uh, more optimistic uh, takeaways from doomer optimism with us? I don't, don't want to put you on the spot, but that's definitely the kind of thing that we'd love to hear. I'd say there's a let's see, there's a I think there's a few. Um, one is just the there seems to be a growing interest in uh, so I'm 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 in my in my kind of professional life and you know my educational background you know I, I've been focused a lot on food and food systems and so that's that's kind of you know a central area of my focus and and there there does seem to be more and more recognition that you know certain aspects of our current food system um, are really unsustainable and you know losing topsoil and biodiversity and reliant on on inputs like fertilizers that you know coming from non-renewable resources and there seems to be a somewhat of a growing recognition there and a shift you know in some quarters towards re- what I would you know call regenerative agriculture you know a growing interest in things like permaculture which is kind of like kind of holistic site design um, and a lot of these these things have been developing for decades um, since you know uh, 60s and before. But you know through the internet, um, there seems to be a lot of you know a lot of people are finding each other, and, and so there's kind of like this broad scale networking uh, explosion. What seems, from my point of view, right now that that I think is really positive, right? Um, uh, and there's this capacity for kind of a 
moving towards a more kind of distributed type of civilization that's, um, you know, uh, not centralized on the one hand, it's distributed, but it's also connected. So it's kind of like a networked kind of localism where you can share ideas and best practices and proofs of concept. Um, but at the same time, you get the benefits of community and, and you know, kind of human scale endeavors and activities. And, and you know, it seems like there's a capacity to have the best of both worlds, um, you know, that, that, you know, technology affords, right? Um, and so, to me, that's that's really hopeful thing is kind of just creating this almost like, you know, almost like a distributed brain, global brain where, you know, you have many different kind of patchworks of, you know, communities figuring things out on their own, kind of autonomous on their own. But but still, there's a cosmopolitan element where you're, you're still you're not isolated. Um, you know, you're 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 there's some kind of solidarity or mutual aid across the larger network. And so I, I see that as really hopeful. Does that seem like something that's happening mm-hmm. organically? Uh, we'd like to think so. We'd like to think so. Um, you know, some of it, you know, even, you know, even organically, you know, there's in biology, there's kind of emergent processes, but then there's also kind of like, um, there's also kind of a top down, uh, you know, uh, modulation or like there's, there's this kind of balance and, you know, even what we call organic of like, emergent arising, but then kind of downward causation as well <laughs> and, and kind of coherence at a larger scale. Don't, don't so, get us nerding out yeah, too much. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 uh, I wanted to kind of echo that a bit and say that, um, well, A, that, that whole scene is, is uh, still one of the, the places that I see as most valuable as well. Um, and I think it kind of speaks to a broader pattern that I kind of get the sense of right now. When we, when I look at culture from like a 10,000 foot view, um, I get this sense that uh, all of the visible big institutions that, um, you know, if we're going to use a, a, a plant metaphor here, um, are taking up all of the sunlight, uh, have been around for a really long time. Uh, and they've been, you know, they, they've, hoarded a bunch of this 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 energy and and are kind of running on um life support you know they're kind of putting all of their dividends uh from the industrial revolution uh into maintaining themselves uh for pre- prematurely long you know or not unnatural long amounts of time but they're completely dysfunctional uh and i think the the silver lining is that the soil uh underneath their root systems have been completely kind of deteriorated uh and in when the the root systems deteriorate, it creates the opportunity for there to be uh, new emergent uh, root systems to evolve, and and so doomer optimism is is kind of a scene that I see as like it is literally underground in the sense it's a little hard to find. You can kind of you got to poke around, you got to know a lot, you got to learn how to dig, um, and and there's a bunch of institutions like that right now. Um, my neck of neck of the woods is like a a very a smaller uh, little pod of of um a, a unique form of of buddhism that's trying to like uh translate uh the uh buddhist practices from 1200 years ago in tibet and try and put it and transplant it in like uh contemporary western society um and so it's like this really niche weird thing that's underground and and you know it's very small so i wouldn't expect most people to be inter- interested at all um but i think there's a lot of different communities like that there's game b uh is a, is a community mm-hmm. um 
the Stoa kind of seems to be it's one of its its own things. Yeah. Uh, independent media is popping up everywhere. You know, I think even some of them are starting to become a, above ground. So you know, maybe that the optimistic note is that uh, there's been a lot of growth happening, uh, and it's just hard to hard to to notice. But uh, where uh, where deterioration happens, uh, uh, compost is is available for for new nice. new growth. <laughs> Uh, that's you did a very good job, Jared, trying to trying to extend that analogy. Um, I also I also appreciate your observations about doomer optimism, and I and I feel the same way about what you're doing. Um, you know, it seems like you know if you're somebody who just watches like the mainstream news and popular culture, like like you'd just be totally oblivious to what I see as kind of like this upswell of underground, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, you know movements all over the place. You know, many of them conflicting, um, but there's there feels seems to be some kind of energy of like people finding each other and making sense and with each other and, and relating with each other in, in new and interesting ways. Um, but I find really promising, and 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 especially when they start net, networking up with each other and exchanging, and um, you know that that seems to me the grounds for yeah. uh, you know eventually here, here. A, a better a better society, a better civilization. Agreed. Agreed. Well, and, and I would say just from, you know, as I mentioned, my, my little, uh, spiritual, uh, uh, um, project is, is very small, but it is built on the foundation of, you know, really this huge, huge shift in spirituality in general, like across all of the different traditions, uh, the internet has created this space where it is just unbelievable amount, the amount of information that's available, you know, couple hundred years ago, if you were uh, a seeker, uh, if you weren't born within a certain amount of miles of a, of a teacher or a tradition or something like that, that the chances of you being able to find the the real, the, the depths of the spiritual uh, development world uh, were, were pretty much next, were nothing. And now, uh, you know, this this whole ecosystem of, of modern spirituality is, has been kind of brewing for, for many decades now, which is really cool. Probably started in the 60s as well, just the same as Jason mentioned, uh, the, the agricultural um, Love it. progressive movement well, as well. Well, I may be uh, starting to ask a few final questions as we get closer to the end. Uh, Nick, any last things you want to ask these two? No, take it away. No, it's been absolutely fascinating to have you guys on. So I look forward to wonderful. Yeah. What you ask so you know, and we covered a lot of ground here. So if if the answer is simply to uh, tap into these communities, you know, feel free to say that. But you know, looking forward, you know, over the next you know twenty, fifty, hundred years, um, uh, let's pick the the kind of two deep dives that you guys have been doing. You know, both the kind of uh, regenerative like food systems and ecology, and and sort of mindfulness and Buddhism. Um, is there kind of shifts that you would wish for, you know, people, you know, if people did more X or if we as a society figured out how to do Y, um, you know, it might make the world a better place or a, a brighter future. So uh, maybe Jared, if you want to start and then Jason uh, after. Yeah, I mean, I guess this is my my opportunity to, to really shill my project, Please, uh, you know, yeah. my kind of unique project. Uh, my teacher and I, and and uh, uh, their partner David Chapman. Um, so Charlie Aubrey is 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 my my partner uh, at Bevolving Ground. Um, you know, our kind of goal really is to uh, come at spirituality from a uh, you know predominantly life affirming perspective. Um, and at first glance, that might seem a little strange, but the 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 interesting thing is that most of the 
spiritual practices and and views and perspectives and things like that that were easily most easily transported to the west from the east um predominantly came out of monasteries uh and so they were mm-hmm. like literally designed to very much disconnect you from a lot of as you know problematic aspects of uh the human experience especially if you you know have relationships and uh have to have really uh, you know have money and jobs and and all of these things and interests and passions and uh you know it can be easy to get lost in that and that's why people move to the monastery uh but not everybody needs to be a monk um and so what we're trying to do is really make available um and and to start to to in, in whatever ways that we can uh, a more life affirming perspective and practices as well you know that the actual methods can be radically different and and they can be actually um integrated with your your emotions and and uh everyday human uh nonsense and and not just be about kind of a, a, an escape which sometimes can happen uh and and escapes are fine you sometimes we need to retreat uh but people should i think there's kind of there needs to be an informed consent in some sense i think a lot of people don't realize that the methods that are really common uh will kind of distance you from from your your humanity in some in some sense if if they work if they're when they're working properly that is what they're doing um so so yeah we're attempting to do that the the, the challenge though is that it really requires a lot more personalization and and connection so um connecting with with people and having a, a tighter knit community uh and being okay with difference as opposed to all kind of going toward sameness uh all are kind of the 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 necessary uh interventions or or reframings i think that a spiritual life that's uh life affirming would would require great we'll definitely make sure to drop some links in there yeah jason yeah well i think it relates to this kind of doomer to doomer optimist spectrum where i think the next few decades are going to be increasingly difficult for for a lot of people um i think a lot of you know our life support systems that we've kind of come to take for granted in modernity are, are going to start to fail and, and crumble. You know, the climate is going to get more and more unstable, more extreme weather events, uh, supply chains, you know, might start breaking down more and more, um, you know, ecology, um, ecological systems, you know, are collapsing. Uh, and, you know, a lot of things we take for granted, you know, from, from, you know, just access to, to food, to water, to energy, you know, our energy systems, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I, I'm not sure that we'll be able to maintain such a high energy civilization as we have had had in the past. Um, you know, with you know r- rising rising costs of extracting fossil fuels, as well as needing to phase out of them, and and renewables being important, but maybe not totally filling the gap. So I, I I guess I guess what I would you know what I see happening is you know kind of a multi decade um, collapse of civilization as we know it. Um, to be frank. Yeah. Uh, and so what I would suggest, but, but I think that there's an optimistic side, you know, into that, like it's kind of a, you know, there's this model called the panarchy model of the adaptive cycle. And I think we're headed towards what's called the back loop. And, but one thing about the back loop is that it releases a lot of en- new energy that can help reorganize the system in a new way where a lot of things have become rigid. Um, it's hard to change, you know, even though things will be difficult, certain, you know, parts of our societies you know, or infrastructure will collapse. It'll also open up new opportunities, new energy to, you know, develop new systems and, and perhaps even better systems. But in the short term, I guess if I, you know, if I had a message, it would say, you know, start thinking about resilience, you know, start thinking about, you know, um, connecting with your neighbors, figuring out, you know, plans, you know, if, if you know, energy grids fail, you know, temporarily, or, you know, all of a sudden you go to the supermarket and, 
you know, a lot of the food isn't available, you know, what do you do? Right. And, a pandemic hits or something, you know, what's that pandemic hits, <laughs> pandemic hits. Yeah. I mean, we're already going through it. It's already been extremely hard for, for, you know, many of us, most of us and some much, much harder than others. Um, you know, and so I always encourage people like, you know, think about, you know, what are some ways that I could be, a be a producer of some of my basic needs, right? Everything from, you know, if you can, grow a little food or, you know, support, uh, local farmers. Um, you know, if the larger scale systems break down, if you have tight knit communities that, that are quasi not totally self-sufficient, um, I think that's, that's not a desirable or even attainable goal, but, you know, quasi self-sufficient to have this kind of layer of resiliency, uh, you know, you know, figuring out where your water comes from, right. Can you, Think of other ways to gather water that are more resilient. You know, maybe can you do rainwater capture? Um, you know, thinking about your energy systems. Um, can you can you learn how to live with less? How, can you learn how to fix things? Um, you know, can you learn how to build things with your with your hands? Right. Um, all of these kind of skills that you know, say people needed in say the Great Depression, right? Where you know you, you hear about these like or the World War II with like these victory gardens, and um, you know, I think. Um, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. I could be wrong, but but I think we're we're heading into a world where, where those kinds of skills are going to be at a premium again. And so I would encourage people, while you know, like you know, while we're still kind of before this back loop, to to really take this seriously and 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 try and just you know, kind of build up your cap- capability uh, individually and locally, uh, you know, as a community and as you know, town or or whatever you know, whatever kind of situation you live in. Makes sense. And I, you know, especially I think doing it in a communal mind, you know, we oftentimes see kind of prepper culture being very idealistic and lone lone wolf. But I think as you say, you know, doing that with your community, you know, even if, even if the worst doesn't happen, it's a great way to kind of build those ties and and, and do a lot of other good things in the process. So, yeah. Yeah. And and to Jason's point, um, toward the end, when we were reflecting on mimetic mediation, it's, it's just also happens to be the most natural way to relate with people and, you know, learn how to collaborate uh you do it in person it's the uh the the path of least resistance so it might actually be uh, a huge uh kind of fundamental component of finding ourselves out of this weird culture war that we're in right now that uh, is obviously not going to be sustainable even from a political perspective yeah. uh, you know whether or not the infrastructure continues uh we're, we're tearing our own selves apart in some sense yeah yeah absolutely i mean i i think you know part of the kind of cultural malaise that some of us feel is just because we've stopped needing to depend mm-hmm. on each other, depend on our neighbors, uh, become atomistic. Um, and in some ways, you know, we've gotten a lot of stuff that we like, you know, you know, goods and services that we enjoy. But, you know, when you no longer rely on your neighbors and everyone's kind of just doing their own thing, um, that hollows the culture out from the inside as well. And, you know, I, so I can see this kind of, you know, big challenges ahead, but it can also again, I, it can lead to a, a cultural revival, right? A, you know, a real strong sense of community again. And Amen. and it might solve some of these more culture war issues, like Jared said. So I'm glad you brought that up. It's been, it's really inspiring to hear you talk about this. And I, I also find myself thinking that uh, a lot of the time when we kind of discuss topics like this in public, uh, or when they are discussed, it tends to be very, um, you know, it, it can be very dark and it can be, it can really scare people away yeah. to, into a sense, into a sense mm-hmm. of paralysis and a state of kind of feeling like there's nothing we can do, mm-hmm. but to see that there are 
um, places where this mutual, you know, this interdependence is being practiced and uh, models of community are being kind of re-explored. Uh, something that comes to mind that I know this isn't an obvious example, but is Burning Man, you know, there's a, a another way to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can be very empowering uh, and reconnect us with a, a sort of a part of our humanity that in some ways many of us have outsourced to um, systems and institutions that, um, you know, as, as a lot of us have seen in the last couple of years, have, uh, have failed us in some pretty important ways, but that it's empowering to see ways out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I'm glad you mentioned, you know, Burning Man is kind of, you know, it's definitely been a seed that is, you know, you know, led to a lot of things. But, you know, one of the kind of intentional yeah. setups of Burning Man is like, kind of, you're in one of the most desolate places in the world, right? And, and you bring things in, of course, but it, part of it is like, it's like contrasting this kind of partying and, you know, consciousness and drugs with kind of these kind of basic survival skills. Um, you know, and I think those, those two kind of go together in some interesting ways. Um, where they, you know, they can re- they can reinforce yeah, each other. Do people do drugs um, at Burning Man? <laughs> I think there's a bunch of cool tents. You weren't you, you weren't in the cool tent. Uh, well, here's to uh, to to partying our way uh, to a resilient future. So, uh, on that note, I just wanted to. Uh, it's been a lot of fun having uh, a lot of voices on tonight, and Beautiful. thank you everyone for being here. And yeah, I hope everybody has a great night. Thanks for having us. This was really fun. Yeah, thanks, guys.